The programme which follows is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. You're listening to Very Loose Women. You're listening to Very Loose Women on Resonance 104.4 FM. It's a pleasure to be back in the studio after a summer break. Last week, Leah did the honours kicking us off with a show about the Loud Women Festival. And if you missed it, like I did, because I was on a sneaky holiday, then it's available as a podcast on Stitcher, iTunes. It will be. Sorry, it soon will be. No no pressure. Um, (laughs) Tomorrow it will be. (laughs) Available as a podcast on Stitcher, iTunes and Acast. So just search for Very Loose Women. So today you're joined by the regulars, me, Emma, Leo. Hi. And we're absolutely thrilled to have activist, journalist, musician, poet, author, punk, Penny Pepper on the show. Hi, Penny. Thanks so much for joining us. Hello. Thanks for inviting me. It's our pleasure. First things first. You've got a book out at the moment. Can you tell us a bit more about that? I have. And I think Leah is going to read the blurb. I have a little blurb to read out, so I'm going to read that now. Um, So the book is called First in the World Somewhere, described as a unique defiance-driven memoir of creative purpose, sexual discovery, and disability activism. And it includes letters from Morrissey, support from Robert Wyatt, a number one LP, Disability Revolution, through Thatcher's 80s to the Millennium Countdown. If you believe in equality and fight for social justice, you will love this book. And if you could tell us, Penny, perhaps about the pre-ordering situation right from the kickoff, and then we'll get into the, the meat of Yes, the if you would like to pre-order this book, which please, I would be very appreciative if, if you do. You can choose from a whole range of uh, bonuses besides getting your name in the book. You can get um, hardback, ebook. You can um, add on my playlist. There's a memoir playlist available all the way up to... And in case there's any secret millionaires listening, there is a... <laughs> there often are on our show, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. There is a, a special patron pre-buy that you can do. And if you just go to unbound.co.uk, books first in the world somewhere. But even if you Google Penny Pepper Unbound first in the world somewhere, you'll find me. More information or listen to the rest of this show to find out more about Penny and, I mean, also pre-order this book. But <laughs> if, if you want to know more, then we will be discussing this in the show. So... I know that you guys have met before, Leo and Penny. I know that, Leo, you asked Penny to come on after you heard her speak at a Sisters of Frida event. Yeah. Maybe, Penny, you can tell us a little bit about Sisters of Frida and maybe your involvement in it. Sisters of Frida is a collective of disabled women. And I know one of the leading um, activists in Sisters of Frida, which is uh, Eleanor. And, yeah, recently I got asked if I could come along and do some poetry some performance poetry and a little chat actually about women i think it was called women's voices lift it's beyond my bedtime was i think it, it was round there was front lines in it so i remember the word front lines i remember the word lift oh. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway Both I hope excellent gets, titles gets the gist but it was about how you know women generally don't speak out or they're living in a society where where you're not kind of meant to be heard almost and then that's just exacerbated if you're a disabled woman but the only way I've learned to overcome that is just to keep doing it and I was really grateful that Sisters of Frida asked me along and it is it's called Sisters of Frida because of Frida Kahlo the artist Mexican artist very beautiful Mexican artist who was at times a wheelchair user and actually experienced disability throughout her life and although she's more famous through her art, which is as it should be, 
we do relate to Frida very much. Cool, maybe we'll hear some of that poetry a bit later, hopefully. Let's, let's get started then. How did you get involved with activism? It's very hard for me to remember exactly when I first got into activism, funnily enough, because I realised that I was probably very young, first wave of feminism. I remember talking to someone about bras. <laughs> We're always talking about bras. <laughs> when I was very young, just in my first bra, and there was jokes about, you know, why don't, why don't you just burn your bra? Not, not to me, but I was very fascinated by that idea. And it's like, well, why can't I burn my bra? I hated my bras <laughs> as a young teenager. And uh, from that, I suddenly thought, yeah, and this is in the book. There is a, a bit about this in the memoir. I, I realised there were barriers. It was like a real wake-up call. The second one was animal welfare, actually, because I was in hospital a lot as a kid. And when I was about 12, it, I just woke up to the fact through different things going on around me that there was testing on animals. And at that age, I think you're always... It's like an earthquake of shock. So it's like, my God, what you know, what is this? And I knew it's still difficult for me to this day that I don't really believe in um, any kind of animal testing. I don't think it's necessary even as someone who's on a lot of medication. So from there, that went on, and then we had punk. And that was it, really. Punk was just at the time of Thatcher, the time when young women were able to kind of wake up and think, hang on, you know, I don't have to conform to this model. Um, I can be who I am, find out who I am. Um, I was always a writer, so... That's followed me throughout. So by the time we get to punk, first wave, wave punk, I am that old, I'm afraid. Mm. It's hard to think of punks being knocking 60. Johnny Rotten's 60. He's not a punk. Yeah. He's not a punk anymore. He was. <laughs> yeah, but he was <laughs> our granddaddy of punk, but it's... You he's know, selling it's... butter and... I know, oh, I know. <laughs> Sorry, he's so, probably so got to pay the rent. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far, though. <laughs> but, yeah, I saw Johnny Rotten and Steve Matlock and Susie Sue was there mm. on the infamous Bill Grundy Today programme and I felt revolution fire in my blood. I really did. And so that was it. I, I realised, I suppose I understood instinctively about that barriers are caused by the way society is organised and from that you get discrimination and prejudice and those things can be changed that was it so kind of from the punk scene i know you've had a musical career that maybe you can tell us a bit about and maybe talk about did you pursue activism through that music i know we've got a song clip that we want to play soon so maybe you can also talk a bit about that i've always put an element of activism within my work and within my music. But I believe, and I do believe, it was a feminist saying that the person who is political. And I really believe that because when it's, when it's affecting you in your immediate life, that's the step to realising how it affects others and society and how that, that expands into, you know, an awful lot of trouble that needs to be challenged. So... There's the song you're going to hear, actually. It's called Marriage of Inconvenience. And although I wrote that initially about this constant fight, and it still happens a bit today, you know, this is like 92, 
about who you are allowed to be with, who you're allowed to marry, who you're allowed to sleep with and love in whatever. There's still so much prejudice, so many barriers about that today. And I was writing about how I had a lot of trouble in one of my first relationships because I didn't ever imagine I would get married. But we weren't really allowed to be together. We just it was just like physical difficulties with with um barriers, inaccessibility, but then just such a lot of negative attitude. And it sadly still goes on. So that's what the song's about. Before we hear the song, I just I remember you saying that it was but that you had a number one hit in Italy, is that right? Well, actually it's number two in Italy. Number two. Yeah, and number one in Greece. This was in the indie charts in the early 90s. Was it this respectable? Song? <laughs> it was, no, it was an album called oh, Spiral album. Sky. Okay. With This track was on that album. Yeah, it's a, it was a number one and number two. It probably means, I'm not knocking it, but it probably means you sell like 500 in those days, copies of vinyl. But, oh, you know, I'm, I'm proud of it. And it's that what the, not, the title of the memoir relates to. It comes up in conversation first in the world somewhere. Amazing. Okay, let's have a listen. from my album Spiral Sky and that was Marriage of Inconvenience and that album was number one in Greece and number two in Italy yes that's, I would celebrate that I would definitely mention that every, in conversation quite a lot if that was mine um, my publishers like it yeah, <laughs> yeah I can't so. believe it um, okay so not only are you a musician you're also a poet can you tell us maybe when you started writing and what kind of things you write about um, I started writing young um, I think I just loved words words have been magic they are magic to me. and word, I, It's such a cliche, but words are power and magic and you create things and create worlds with words. 
And I realised that very young, about seven or eight, I remember writing stories and poems and it went on from there really. By the time I was 13, 14, my English teacher, who I'm going to mention, called Mrs Marsh, who is an amazing woman, she's still around and I owe her so much because she said to me, you could do this for a living. It's you know this mm. is when you're fourteen. You're, mm. And, and um, I'm sure there are a lot of people, other people who would think, no, no, don't say that because obviously you do put yourself on the line in any creative pursuit. Um, but I've no regrets whatsoever. I couldn't have done anything else. It's like in my bones. Um, and do you have something you'd like to share with us today that you've written? I do. I have a poem called scrounger um and it's a bit of a ranty poem it has one slightly naughty word but i'm sure we'll block our children's ears yeah yes yes nothing nothing extreme i'm a sponger a scrounger a lazy ass lounger a raspberry in rainbow i pose you no danger i'm the bottomless pit of your pity and debt on the sick since john major i'm still on it yet I'm the latest cheap target, the tabloid's dark darling, draining the markets, the unit of measure, economic displeasure. I'm a blamed, useless eater, a foul fraud repeater. Do I make it all up? They say that I suck the money from purses of rich, bloated bastards. The kicks and the curses fall from our leaders on us liars and bleeders. We're pariahs and feeders. Gorged on too much from the big nanny state. You've condemned us already. There is no debate. We can't be sustained because bankers are greedy. We're lazy, we're rank, we're targets of hate to eradicate. But I'm a rouser with word to shout and to hit, saying who are the Nazis raking over this shit? I shout and I spin at the string of their lies. I'm a new Bodicea. Together let's rise. They have no compassion, yet we have rebellion and rage with our passion. As time it is rushing, defiance it chimes. We dare to fight back. We dare to fight loud. We dare, we dare, we Dare. Thank, Thank you. you. Can I just oh, yeah. add something quickly? So I would normally announce this afterwards in case people don't know. Where I say I'm a raspberry, does anyone know what a raspberry is? No. It's, it's old, <laughs> That's right, I don't think a raspberry No, is. it's old Cockney <laughs> slang. And this is a whole great explanation around language. It's raspberry ripple cripple. Oh, I've never heard that. I've actually got a poem called The Ballad of Cripplegate. And it's very, like, we're reclaiming that word. So you will hear that word a lot from activists. Crip, cripple, we know what it means. We're proud of it. And that's what I refer to in there. Wow. Okay. Something new for our vocabulary. Or yeah. <laughs> um, and what was that written in response to? Like, was it a specific event or just general feeling? I think it was... Um, I think, it's for me, it's it's... Often in in relation to an event or the right-wing media, obviously I won't go into detail, but the right-wing media have um, really mounted extreme attacks on disabled people. 
Um, often people with invisible impairments, not all disabled people use a wheelchair. Uh, that should surely not come as a shock <laughs> to any sensible person. Um, but this idea persists in the right-wing media that somehow it's all about trying harder and th this came out of that. And I love the idea of rolling the rhyme. So I'm very influenced by my hero, in case he's listening, John Cooper Clark, the granddaddy of performance punk poetry. Um, and that actually leads me to think about, at the moment, something that's going on in terms of arts and maybe disability activism as well is Unlimited Festival at South Bank. I don't know if you want to tell us, are you involved in that in any way or any I am actually on a panel on Saturday at the South Bank. Please, please come down. There will be some amazing work. What I feel for disabled artists, what we have, is we're just starting to tell our stories and our experiences. And we add something to the sort of human story that's really only just at the very beginning. So what you're going to get is something you haven't seen or heard of or thought about. And uh, one of my very best friends, Liz Carr, has assisted suicide the musical on and this is going to be an event sounds cheery <laughs> oh it will be though it will be it will make you laugh as much mm. as it makes you think i can promise you that so that's on saturday that's saturday Sunday, it's yeah. yeah i think saturday might have sold out but i believe there's tickets for sunday but not 100% sure, but please look out for it and uh, do come down. There's lots of things going on. Um, I'm on a panel about 1.30 and we're talking about how we survive as artists, um, which should be interesting. And there's always just a really great buzz and lots to see and do. I went to yeah, two performances yesterday that I actually really want to recommend if they're still going. I think um, Kandoko. The dance troupe was incredible. And also I saw The Way You Look in brackets at me, oh, close yes. brackets, tonight, which I don't know if you've seen that. I think it was on yesterday and also on tonight. And that was incredible as well. It was a kind of like immersive dance performance, philosophy, projection, loads of stuff going on. And it was really beautiful. And also it kind of addressed a lot of issues that maybe we're going to discuss a bit later about perception of people with disabilities. So, um, yeah, how people felt they were being perceived and maybe desexualized and things like that. And kind mm. of also talking about love. So, yeah, it was, it was incredible. Really recommend if anyone can see that. Okay, so something else that's happening, I think it's today at midnight, but we're not 100% sure. We haven't really done our research, but I'm, it's soon, um, is the Paralympics are beginning and I know you recently wrote an article for The Guardian about your views and kind of how that's being portrayed. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, my piece was in The Guardian yesterday um, and it was really examining the whole superhero shtick that they've been... It's everywhere on Channel 4 in every break. It's, it's, it's on every commercial radio station. So um, what, what do you mean by the superhero shtick? Well, they're just pushing... Um, disabled athletes as superhumans um, and I feel along with many others that this is a dangerous and sad actually uh, path to take because we just wish to be ordinary and everyday and equal and it's very hard the, 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 I absolutely support the you know sporting prowess of the Paralympians 
without question. So it isn't really about attacking individuals. Uh, I'm not so sure about the games per se. We'd need another half hour to talk about that because I think it's both of the games are in danger of becoming some sort of corporate monster that's just like a big advertising machine. (laughs) But aside from that, I will watch some of the Paralympics. I will enjoy some of the Paralympics. However, this whole thing, this, what's the other one? They keep crossing out the dis on disability, so it's just got ability. It's about us being removed from being human, ultimately, which then sets up this whole idea of why can't we all be like that? We do get, when it was the London Games 2012, there was an increase in disability, hate crime. Really? I'm not saying it's connected to that directly, but you would get people, I had it personally, saying, you know, oh, you don't want to be in that thing, you can try harder, you know, referring to my wheelchair. (laughs) And Channel 4 have taken that on, this try harder campaign, you know, or is it can't? Something like, there's some sort of campaign it's one of them like I can I can Mm -hmm. so we're now going to be subject to that you know if you try hard and it's it's fine to be an athlete imagine this if this wasn't disabled athletes would they say it to everyone else for the the, the non-disabled games running (laughs) as fast as you send bolt like try harder or something like that why aren't you running that fast yeah Yeah. it (laughs) it is and it so underpinning that idea is the idea that your impairment is about not trying hard enough i'm sure no one sat down in a room and thought that you know or whatever but it does make you wonder who did think and who they consulted on it before using that as an advertising campaign and it's, it's just that whole attitude of... I, I went through that in the late 80s, early 90s. We had the see the ability, not the disability, which is like, say, see the woman, she's really a man. <laughs> it's kind of like that. It's like, well, actually, you know, it, 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 it's like you get... When you get racists saying that, well, I'm not a racist because I've got, I got a black friend and they're all right, they're, they're like me. It's mm-hmm. kind of dangerously going into that area with this mm. of of the you're okay in this camp you're a superhuman the rest of you are scroungers if i may refer to my poem <laughs> we don't want to go there again i guess it's a bit like i don't know if you've seen footage of helen keller talking and that's kind of lauded as like oh it's really incredible she like she learned to talk with, like, all this kind of augmentation of someone, you know, she had a teacher, like, constantly teaching her how to, like, feel vibrations and stuff. And, yeah, in a way, that of course, it is very impressive, but the average person doesn't have access to those things, so yeah. it's not something to kind of yeah. be held up and said. I mean, of course, it's good for her, but yeah, and not everyone not, has it, access uh, to those I, things. I so. had this... I had discussions when I did the memoir about why do the memoir now, and it was very important to me that this is a general story, because it isn't... It, this isn't a story my life with my disability it's not that at all I was very keen that it is about where I made music the people I met getting letters from Morrissey all those things because otherwise there's not a story mm. and th- and that's what they contend to do but um, yeah the, 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 at midnight as well can I just put a quick call out that uh, disabled people against the cuts find us on Twitter we're doing a kind of online what do we call it Twitter storm type thunderclap yeah. thunderclap yeah. thing where everyone is tweeting 
to you can support yes yeah, support the, the paralympians that's that's great but also realize that we're up against it and that's what we've been doing on our rights not games week of action so that's the hashtag the hashtag is rights, rights not, not games. games yeah Please. And that's a protest that's been going on all week? Yes, it? we were at Westminster on Monday and then we blockaded Whitehall and did a, uh, a little pop-up street theatre outside Downing Street. And uh, the policemen were there and uh, it was all very... It was all good, all good. <laughs> you just have to do these things. While you were reading your poem, I was having images of the... Well, protests I've been at Whitehall, so it was definitely... I could feel the link there. Yeah, definitely. I did mm. this on Monday. Oh, really? Yeah, this pop-up oh, the, the okay. street theatre. Yeah, we we did lots of nice things. And mm. have I got time to quickly mention that yeah. the independent living is one other thing, which our funds were cut a year ago, and we were promised sort of ring fencing transition funds, and the report on the effects of that was out on Monday, and that's one highlight of this rights not go- not games because it's awful. It's absolutely awful, the results. There's, there's been no support for that transition at all. And, and there's people living in conditions that prisoners don't have to live in, locked indoors, mm. sleeping in their own mess. Mm. You know, if you heard that about an animal or a child, you'd hope they'd be rescued. But the, these things are happening by the choice of government policy, ultimately. I don't really want to end on a miserable note. No, that's, <laughs> that's not. Well, I guess maybe more positively then, what can people who are listening now, apart from they can do a thunderclap, obviously, what do you think they can do to support this and kind of help change the way things are going for disability support? I think just to remember that we are, we're all human beings and uh, disability is just part of the human experience. It's If it's a tragedy or a triumph or whatever, that that just depends on circumstance. So support us as human citizens by, you know, Google Disabled People Against Cuts. Google me, you'll find me. You can get in touch with me. And if you're Googling Penny, you can also uh, go to Unbound and support her book as well, uh, which uh, we mentioned at the beginning of the show, it's called First in the World Somewhere. Um, And so if you joined midway through, it's... um, it's a uh, story of... It's a memoir. It's a memoir. That's Yay. a nicer, quicker way to say it. So it's a memoir. So, uh, yes, please support that book. Go to her website, pennypepper.co.uk. And you'll be at a panel this weekend. Saturday, on Saturday at Unlimited Festival, yeah, which South I Bank. 100% recommend going to Unlimited Fest. It's incredible. Um, I think we're about to run out of time, so I just want to say thank you so much, Penny, for coming on. It's been enlightening. Thank you. And Thank you so much, Ilya, for engineering. This is your last show with us. I'm really sad about that. Um, maybe if we have time, we have a couple more seconds of Penny's song. Um, you can uh, tweet us at VLW Radio and subscribe to our podcast, www.acast.com forward slash Very Loose Women. So thank, thank you for listening. Thank you, Penny. Thank you, Ilya.
Resonance is a not-for-profit broadcast platform and relies on public support. If you like what you've heard, make a secure donation at resonancefm.com.